This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Garden of Sound with thanks to Taha Sparkling Tonic. I'm your host Ian Turner. It's always a pleasure to be bringing Garden of Sound to you and today is no different as I bring another slice of the Christchurch music scene to your speakers. Of equal importance is the fact I'd like you to subscribe to the show. If you're listening via any of the amazing podcast outlets out there, please click subscribe right now so you don't miss any of the action. And if you're listening via Terrestrial Radio or the Plains FM website, then I thoroughly encourage you to visit gardenofsound.nz right now and hit that subscribe button. If you've got an ear for detail, listen out for a question about this interview at the end of the show. And if you're the first person to send in the right answer to that question, there'll be a lovely prize from Taha winging its way to you. Just listen out for that question at the end of the show. Today's guest is Alex Harmer. He's a fantastically talented musician and sound engineer. Got a lot of press back in 2013 recording his debut album from his bedroom. More impressively, he played everything on it, except the drums and a few BVs. These days, he plies his trade for Radio New Zealand and on mixing duties for anyone lucky enough to grab him. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Alex Harmer on Plains FM 96.9. We begin the interview as I ask Alex about what life was like growing up. When I was born, we were living in Le Bons Bay uh, near Akaraya. Quite a musical family and it was... It was encouraged by both parents. I was learning violin by six, I think. I didn't do it in a normal way. I thought we we went to well, I went to Suzuki, which is a ear training. You do learn to read music, but primarily ear training. So you were born in Le Bon's Bay and then moved to Wipra. Both of those places are, are quite far away from from the big smoke. Mm. Was there much opportunity to to play music with other people? Uh, no, I've actually never had that uh, as, a, as a child anyway. My parents would often themselves take part in a f- local folk music group. There were some like-minded people in Greta Valley and Waikari. But when we moved again to Marlborough uh, in 1998, that, w- uh, that all stopped because it was quite remote, a f- farming environment. I then had to stop violin, which I was happy about anyway, and taught myself guitar. So I picked up the guitar at 12. My brother Oliver found an old nylon string acoustic in a dump, I think, or it was on the cab of a truck somewhere, weird. And he just bought me a nice cheap set of strings and showed me about three chords. What were those chords? Oh, they would have had, they would have had been the open ones, A, D, and E. So with that, at least you could probably play Desire by U2? Um, no, it was all Beatles. So it would have been Obla D, Obla Da. Oh, that was the other thing. I wasn't really encouraged to listen to the the more drug-influenced Beatles songs, forcibly discouraged sometimes. Was it a a fairly strict upbringing? No, no, just careful of what the songs were trying to imply, I suppose. Certainly not strict. (laughs) Going all the way back to when you were young, what is the first memory of music for you? Again, Oliver uh, would have been playing Queen records, well, no, Queen tapes in his bedroom. He's he's quite a lot older. He's um, large family. He's uh, he's fourteen years older. So he was 
he had his bedroom, he was the big brother, he was cool, he went rabbit hunting, he was allowed to use the gun, all that stuff, and he had Queen tapes. Probably the first song would have been We Are The Champions, so that sort of, that strong melody informed my desire and or attraction to heavily melody-focused songs, I suppose. Aside from music, was there anything else you were interested in as a young person, sort of going through school? Oh, I really loved sport, but the farm was so far away from any other school that I wasn't really able to do team sports. So I would have probably quite happily been a rugby player or a football player, but I just had to do music instead because I could do that on my own. So we've heard about the Beatles. Mm-hmm. We've heard about Queen. Uh, were those the, the two greatest musical influences or was there anyone else along the way? Again, Oliver's quite a big influence, I'm realising now because, now, because he was working for Zed. They had their thing um, around about 2000. And so he was working for them. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. He's working for a band that's, um, as a stage manager, that's touring the country. I'll get their CD. So I actually was quite into that album as a as a early teenager. And they were really cool because they printed the chords to their songs inside the cover art of the CD. And I learnt the whole album just to learn guitar. So that was pretty concurrent with yeah, one or two years after first picking up a guitar, playing Zed songs, which is hilarious. And I still tell Ben that now. We, uh, we still laugh about that sometimes. Okay, so we have uh, the Beatles, we have Queen, yeah. and we have Zed. Is there anyone else <laughs> in between? Finally went to boarding school at 15, and just everything came, sort of came at me. Then I suppose there was a lot of new metal, a lot of Linkin Park, and um, yeah, I was really into Evanescence for a couple of months. Uh, Creed, another hilarious cringe act. <laughs> Creed were useful because, kind of like Zed, they kind of got me thinking about how to get really good, dirty guitar tones. And already, like, thinking about the tech aspect. I'd bought an electric guitar, and I was trying to get my amp to do the same things, which, of course, it couldn't. It was just a, a silly practice amp. Um, but those Zed and Creed... Pretty sure they both used Mesa Boogie amplifiers, which are really high gain, which is so unusual for pop. Well, I would consider Creed still to be pop. So unusual for pop acts to have massive loud amplifiers, which is quite cool. And something that sets Z apart, particularly in the pop world. Is there a track from one of your influences that you'd like to share? There's just so many of them. So I thought I'd select one that I'm really liking right now because influences change. And uh, so there's Casey Musgraves. And John Mayer turned me onto this, to use an old turn of phrase, uh, through his Instagram. Texas is hot, I can be cold, Grandma cries. 
tried Taha Sparkling Tonic? It's made right here in New Zealand from the best natural ingredients. Manuka honey, organic ginger and kawakawa. The medicinal benefits of these three are well known, but when they're combined, you get a healthy taste sensation that's out of this world! Fortunately, you can buy Taha right now from supermarkets, cafes and bars all over New Zealand. Find out more at taha.nz. Taha, it's where you belong. You're listening to the Garden of Sound interview with Alex Harmer on Plains FM 96.9. We continue the interview as I ask Alex why he didn't choose a Queen track for one of his influences. I thought about it. Yeah. But I I don't listen I don't make that music anymore and I don't yeah. really listen to it anymore. I mean, I still love it, but it all really ties back to being interested in how to get really beautiful, perfect sound, listening to those old records and reading all about them. And in, and in fact, I have a bootleg multi-track of the Bohemian Rhapsody session, and it's great to listen to it. Like, you actually hear everything. At the end of this great big opus, in the basic tracking stage of the song, you can you turn it right up on his solo piano track, you can hear him close the lid of the piano, it goes thud, and he goes, oh, fuck it. <laughs> and then it cuts right, and, and it's like, wow, I wonder what, he must have gone through a lot playing that take because it's, you know, he'd probably done it all in one go and they would have to be so careful. So pretty soon I started thinking about that kind of stuff, uh, what went into a song, how to get dirty guitar tones, and that got me interested in sound engineering. You talk about the perfect sounds. I just mean the perfect recording. Like, Is there such a thing? Well, I reckon that one's pretty close. I, I, I mean, everyone's got a different opinion about what's perfect, but... My friend Aidan, who works at a hi-fi company, Plinius in Christchurch, he loves noise rock. And um, he's building $30,000 amps, and he's listening to disgustingly recorded music on purpose through them. And he said he loves it. It's like perfection is very subjective. Describe noise rock to me. Recorded at best on a four-track cassette recorder. <laughs> Have you heard uh, Unknown Mortal Orchestra? Yeah, I've got the one with multi-love on it. Are you a fan of the, the lo-fi feels? Oh, it's definitely pretty cool. Oh, I'm, I'm not biased any, uh, not biased at all. I think I wouldn't go for that if I'm mixing something, but there's a certain artistry and perfection and skill set. Because he uses particular gear to get his sound. He's got a mono 1176 compressor for his drums and records all his drums in mono and... That really adds to that lo-fi feel. Because we're used to stereo drums these days. When I've recorded drums before, or at least sort of panned them out, when we're talking about stereo drums, mm. I've always recorded as if I was playing the drums. Okay. Which way Which way around do you? I do that too. I mix I mix with the hi-hat slightly to the left if I, if I do pan it. and then The right floor tom. Yeah, out uh, to the right. Yeah. And everyone else hates me for that, I feel. Why? Because... <laughs> Well, I don't know. My friend Tom O'Connor, he's always saying, "Why do you Why do you do that? It's supposed to be listener's perspective." And uh, I think it's again completely arbitrary and not important. <laughs> but I, I am more comfortable as if I was playing, mixing. Yeah. So we talked a lot about uh, perfect production. Uh, yeah. Who is Who is your favourite producer? Uh, the one just jumping out at me right now would. Oh, just George Martin, I suppose, because he, I suspect the Beatles might not have been quite what they were without him. He did really beautiful string arrangements. Eleanor Rigby, um, 
can't deny the songwriting talent of Paul McCartney. I mean, uh, I actually saw him in December. That was incredible. But George Martin kind of just added the the finesse, the hi-fi finesse. He, he got them access to the best recording equipment in the world. Again, back to the tech stuff. The best engineers. Their recordings, even today, if you manage to find multi-tracks, which are out there, um, they just sound amazing. And that's because of that beautiful old analog gear. So yes, George Martin, I'll, I'll go with him because uh, he he enabled them in many ways. Let's talk about musical performances that you've attended. What was the uh, the first paid gig you went to? Um, the first tickets I ever bought were Tadpole back in the New Metal days. I actually didn't really go to many gigs until I was about uh, until my early twenties. The first, yeah, Dream Theater. They came to Auckland, so that's a, I'm not sure if you uh, really know much about them. They are. Uh, technical progressive rock band I guess and they came to New Zealand and haven't been back since so that was the first one So what turned you on to them? If we rejoin the story at about Lincoln Park I was listening to that stuff in about 2003 and then a friend of mine said whoa I've just been I just heard this track about these guys that just play like crazy Um, music nerds who decide who've been had, had a raft of influences and really know their instruments inside and out. And it's kind of influenced by jazz, but it's mostly metal. They're, they're sort of aging aging rockers now too, I suppose. They're, they're all in their 50s. So whether in front of folks or perhaps behind the scenes, what's been your worst musical moment? I did an acoustic... Because I, I have done an album, I did an acoustic set of it in 2013 for this thing in Christchurch called Artbeat which my friend Hera organised. And I just went along because I was really happy that she asked me. But those songs didn't translate well acoustically and I was out of practice. Not gig, uh, not very, wasn't very experienced on a stage being a tech person and I just thought it went really badly. Uh, I don't know, just everything was kind of wrong. My good friend Brooke helped me out. She played some keyboards, so that was nice. That was a good, that was a nice thing. But I thought that I was just, wasn't really gig ready. And that was really embarrassing. What have you learned from that? Mm, just have a good band and be prepared. <laughs> it's pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Have a good band, be prepared. Uh, are there any musicians you can immediately uh, think of that have just got amazing bands? Yep. Okay. Yeah, like, totally. Uh, local guy Jed Parsons. He's he's incredible. I don't know if he knows. I don't. Know, I don't know if he knows how good he is. But he's he's released a couple of singles this year. He's he's been on Hodaki FM. Is that what it's called? No, Radio Hodaki, and he um, he's killing it. He's he's. I, I hope he I hope he makes it big because his band is awesome. Just a little trio. He he's got a great sense of humour. He calls them he calls it Jed Parsons and his friends, and I I just think that's um really cool. He's just got a good attitude. That guy. Okay, so we're going to move on to, and I know this might be difficult for you with so much amazing music in the world, but what is your favourite piece of music, and can you tell me why? I thought a lot about this, and it's a real, real odd one. And this is actually nine minutes long, so you might have to trim this. I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) It might be amazing. (laughs) It is amazing. Um, It's an electronic producer called John Hopkins. I first heard about him because I was listening to Coldplay's Viva La Vida album, and he actually wrote the title track, then they started playing on it. And then I thought, well, who did that? And I found the original piece, and this is it.
We'll be back with Alex shortly. But first, I want to thank Taha Sparkling Tonic for sponsoring today's show. Taha is made from ginger root, manuka honey, and kawakawa. You mightn't have heard much about kawakawa, but it's been used by Māori for hundreds of years because of its anti-inflammatory properties. And it can also protect the liver. Not to mention, Taha is super tasty too. If you'd like to find out more about Taha, then please visit taha.nz or you can ask for it at your local supermarket or cafe. You're listening to the Garden of Sound interview with Alex Harmer on Plains FM 96.9. What music are you doing now? I mix. I try and mix as much as I can for people. So, What kind of mixing? Just anything I can get my hands on. I, I, I tend to be better at rock or... If it's funk, I just mixed a little funky live EP for my friend Tom. If it's that, I still will go for quite a hard-hitting American hi-fi sound, which kind of ties in with the Casey Musgrove track. That's very hi-fi. So if it's big, make it bigger kind of thing. and then But then make it nice as well, not just loud. Mixing is really what I do now. Um, making music is bothersome because it, you put so much of, of your soul into it and then it's kind of like oh, why do I yeah <laughs> there seems to be I picked up in the interview a disconnect between the creating the music and the performing the music yeah, was I don't it always really, like I don't really like performing I haven't ever liked performing so creating you, it's more fun that's true where do you think those blocks have come from Pro- probably just growing up away from other people not able to not being able to interact I mean, I've I've noticed that already. So yeah, there's I like making the music. I don't really care about getting it out there, and that's why I kind of just walked away from it. Because plus, it was kind of cheese rock the stuff that I did do, <laughs> and and my friends, in terms of this, in terms of their songwriting abilities, are way better than me anyway. So I just kind of help my friends out by mixing their stuff. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I disagree because I do consider myself a good judge. Right. Of, of a good song because I do get bored very easily if right. there's especially if there's no heart in it but the tracks that I've listened to of yours and I'm very very hopeful that we'll hear something that you yeah, have I've got recorded. one I've got one too yep <laughs> um I'm I was absolutely blown away probably because I feel we have uh, some similar similar likes in terms of influences right, right. so when you hear things that you know and you're familiar with it's kind of like oh I understand what he's doing. I'm excited by this. So, <laughs> right. what could you um, what could you play for us now? Well, uh, so I went through a real big hip hop phase. I, I almost said Dr. Dre is my favorite producer. Oh, 90s hip hop had been out of the scene for ages, and one day my friend just played uh, still Dre, still Dre, one of Dr. Dre's hits from the late 90s, and we, I was just like, God, this is funny. It just the, the swagger and the production are massive. So that was a big, like, that got me really interested in all of the 90s stuff that he did. And again, from a production standpoint, he did a lot of stuff. Genius. Uh, linking up tape machines, building samples. Um, so I sort of took that interest and took it and combined it with, like, the strong harmonic element, which I love from Queen. And this is what came out.
dead men walking ain't no way to be stopped cause dirty buddy and black water is doing all the talking as they claim the fame will drive you insane unnecessary emissary saying we're all the same as I feel the pain of this migraine it's insane tugging on the strings of my left brain I can't think can't talk I can't breathe I can't see ropes and cold chains are haunting me in my dreams it's all walls no open spaces unseen as we occupy places and things it's the imminence of death citizens say it's scary but it's necessary we're insignificant just a bunch of idiots sinking from the reservoir comes so far to kill our kids freedom fights in the war for black water but appealing to the masses that's a tall and as the black water pools and schools i'm pulled into my reflection justify every action propaganda as we drown but we can only assume in the details let's collapse this relapse for retail Scopes on our backs, push us forward downhill, thick smog at our backs, they wave and laugh. Their pockets full of the blight as black water drips out from the tailpipe.
you tried Taha Sparkling Tonic? It's made right here in New Zealand from the best natural ingredients. Manuka honey, organic ginger, and kawakawa. The medicinal benefits of these three are well known, but when they're combined, you get a healthy taste sensation that's out of this world! Fortunately, you can buy Taha right now from supermarkets, cafes, and bars all over New Zealand. Find out more at taha.nz. Taha, a drink from the edge of the world. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Alex Harmer on Plains FM 96.9. The songs that you were writing back in the day, yeah. where did the ideas come from? Probably, probably, uh, I probably just got my hands on proper home recording equipment for the first time and all of the desire to be Queen or be the Beatles came out at once and I don't have any desire to make the type of music anymore because it was kind of um, exercised from me by actually finally having preamps and microphones and um, that kind of stuff is expensive when you're a student. Um, so I used to, oh gosh, just pick up cheap cheap stuff wherever I could and, and uh, there was a, they don't make it anymore, M-Audio used to make a preamp um, with eight inputs, which was amazing because finally I could actually record a drum kit. Uh, it was, before that I had some Pro Tools 2 mic input thing, Inbox Mini. I know the one. Yeah, I did a lot of recording with that, um, but finally I really needed a drum kit. And I found a, a found a friend who's an amazing drummer, his name's Jay Arthur, and he did the drums on that album. And um, that kind of, that's where that music came from. Could we hear one of those tracks? Yeah. So this is my favourite from the album, and this is influenced by Joel Holland, who did a really amazing uh, unreleased album, and he did a song called The Truth um, with Gasoline Cowboy. It's got a big kind of jam feel, but it's actually totally, it sounds totally different, but just the way it builds slowly.
for young people, however young those people are, who mm. want to get into mixing or production potentially, what sort of things should they be doing now if they think they have an interest in that field? Um, practice your craft so much. Probably put your 10,000 hours in because I, st- I think I'm only really getting good at mixing now and I've been doing it for 10 years. And and learn software. Don't just think you're a producer if you've got Ableton Live. Um, really learn how sound works and why things sound good when they do. The other thing would be to go corporate as soon as you can uh, just so you have some money. So, for example, don't just mix bands live. Do that as well. But um, you're going to be really poor and struggle, which is what I was doing until you actually kind of just go, right, I've got to work as well as be creative. And I was really fortunate to, or some might even say unfortunate, to work at a studio in Christchurch um, which had an un, uh, insane budget and it was unrealistic, but it got me training when I needed it and, and you know, eventually the funding was pulled and it all closed down because they weren't you know, making much money. So, But I did get experience on SSL console and a bunch of real gear that I didn't really have access to in my day-to-day life. So what's been your best um, musical memory or the most rewarding project that you've worked on? Um, I've done lots of stuff I've been proud of, but at least I have something that's mine. Even though I find it a bit, like most of the album, pretty embarrassing, I still am happy that I did it because I'd always be wondering wondering if I didn't. (laughs) So what's your dream mixing job in the years to come? It would be nice just to have one good mixing job a week. Um, That would be dream, yeah. And then just... I like mixing in headphones. You can take it anywhere. I've got the plugins. I don't really. I do build analog gear, um, but mostly just for fun. And really, it's most convenient just to mix with software in the box. And that, so that would be the dream job: just finishing the day job, coming home and do a couple of hours on somebody else's creative project. And then, if they want, adding some guitar or whatever to it, um, which I do from time to time. That's cool. Is there a track you want to take us out with today? I want to show off what Dream Theater can do and why I liked them when I was a teenager. Well, I still do. And I just was so impressed by the playing and the, the just the incredible playing. <laughs> Alex Harmer, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for having me.
Thank you so much for joining me today. Today's guest was Alex Harmer. You can listen to a show-specific playlist from today's program with all the songs that Alex talked about by visiting gardenofsound.nz. I also mentioned at the start of the program there's a tasty treat from Taha up for grabs if you can answer the following question. What was the first Queen track Alex remembers hearing? That question again. What was the first Queen track Alex remembers hearing? Head along to gardenofsound.nz and look for the win tab. The first correct entry will win a tasty treat from Taha Sparkling Tonic. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I'm Ian Turner and this has been Garden of Sound with thanks to Taha Sparkling Tonic.